Hello, friends. It's Kirk Henderson and Matthew Phillips joining you for a summer league edition of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. The Dallas Mavericks just fell to the Utah Jazz in a. I don't. I mean, you can't really call summer league games bizarre because all of them are weird. But the Mavericks fell by one, and now we're here. Matt, how are you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, it is late in the evening. I'm. I'm happy that that game is over uh the first quarter the way i would describe that game is a rock fight <laughs> some of the worst offensive basketball i've ever seen in my life yeah yep i actually went and and i got some fresh sod in my backyard and i'm trying to keep it alive during this heat so i went and actually watered my yard at about <laughs> at about 10 15 um and and that that first quarter was was pretty atrocious and you know some of it I'd be curious because they play in that high school size gym, which is what they play in tonight. And then they play in a college arena on the other nights. And I think like the changes in depth perception actually really affects these guys in the first quarter. Like they're all professionals, so they tend to figure it out. But it was just it, it was it was weird. Um, you know, that, that's actually really interesting. Um, I hadn't really thought about that. But if you remember back in the day in the Alamo Dome at uh, San Antonio, it used to be San Antonio shot really well there, but everybody else always struggled. Like the road three-point percentage there yep. was always terrible. Yep. And and I think that's a big deal. Like, it's why national championship games for college basketball are always garbage because these guys aren't used to playing where there's nothing for a quarter of a mile behind the basket. I, I, I just – I really think that matters. And – you know, these guys all found elements of their shot tonight. Like, Jared Harding was kind of the only reason the Mavericks were in the game for a significant stretch. Um, other Mavs sort of found their shot at certain points in time. A.J. Lawson, who through two games is probably the most impressive uh, player on this Dallas Mavericks roster. I, I want to say he is a rookie and played at South Carolina. He may be like 22 or whatnot, but... He just really continues to impress with the various things that he does. I mean, he had 15 points and 10 rebounds, or 12 rebounds tonight, excuse me, to go along with two assists, a steal, and a block. And that is a far cry from his game the other night where he had 28 points on way different contributions. Like, he was just hitting from three. And so that sort of thing is 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 pretty fun. And, you know, then past that, there was the, the Jaden Hardy game where he was a pretty terrible 4-15 from the floor. Uh, he did hit two threes, so if you back that out, he was two of um, he was two of ten from two point range, kind of the anti Luka Doncic. Uh, he did have five rebounds. I'm sorry, six rebounds and five assists. Uh, but he, you know, for the second straight game, had some kind of brutal. Uh, he had one brutal turnover when the game was really close, and that's exactly what happened against Chicago. So you know, it it, it is what it is with with those two guys. I mean, there's. The rest of the roster has a couple of guys that are worth, you know, kind of meandering on. You know, Marcus Bingham Jr. was a guy that that I think many Mavs fans hoped would matter, and he just not really done anything for me. And and then there's there's Moses Wright who continues to look like I can see what they're trying to do, where they want to turn him into kind of a mobile center at six eight, but he's just not particularly good in anything. Yeah. Um, so that that's one of the struggles with breaking down summer league games is just there's so few people that matter. Yeah. Um, 
like the biggest thing for this, Hardy obviously is the most important player to the Mets because he is clearly going to be on the Mets. I think Lawson is going to make a team somewhere. Kid mentioned I that too. today. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily know that it's going to be the Mavs as they're, uh, you know, they didn't have room for Goran Dragic. So I would uh. assume that they also don't have room for room for Mr. Lawson. But that being said, he's good. He's fun to watch. He, he has very good basketball instincts. Um, like he just, he does the right thing, like whatever that may be in any given game. Um, with Hardy, the only thing that I would say that I really saw that was positive today, one, had he made that dunk at the end, it would have been that the most fun cool. play of the game. Like just, um, cause one yeah. of, one of the things with him is that he, he wasn't coming into the draft. They talked about that. He wasn't an elite athlete. Like he's more mm. of a basketball skills guy. I thought he looked, I thought he's looked pretty athletic. Yeah. Like, he's, he's, he doesn't have a quick first step, but that's, that's okay. He's not – I mean, it's one of those things where, like, if you look at it on the spectrum of NBA two guards, like, everyone's not athletic because everyone is so athletic. Like, it's kind of like in The Incredibles right. when Dash is, like, when they say everyone's special and that's just another way of saying no one's special. All NBA two guards are athletic. So, like, relatively speaking, unless you're one of the absolutely true outliers, no one's athletic. So it doesn't really matter for that. But, two, like – I he showed a lot of what he showed in this were the same issues he had with the G league, which is he, he could get to the rim and stuff, but he couldn't finish. Um, some of that, I think some of the things that the plays where he created contract and such, I think they would be called in NBA games. Um, I'm not complaining about the officials cause I really just and don't care. Got, let's just look at this though. So he got seven free throws, which through two games he has, he now has 18. Um, yeah. I, I, I feel okay about that. Like, I feel fantastic about that, to be quite honest with you. Nine, re- yeah, no, nine I like free throws it. a game. I like My hope in a summer league game, when he has the ball as much as he has, would sort of maybe be five. And so he, he surpassed that expectation. Yeah, he has a really nice handle. Uh, this may or may not be the place to go into it, but I mentioned, oh, the Slack, uh, I mentioned this in the Slack a little bit. Uh, I, I think what, what my hope for him is, is that if you look at the Mavs' very meager success with young players in the last decade, uh, really the only guys they've had any amount of success with whatsoever are Luca, Jalen Brunson, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Maxi Kleba, who actually really wasn't young, but, you know, the developmental right. guys. And then if you want to be super, super generous and give them some credit for Jay Crowder, Jay Crowder. What those guys have in common is none of those guys have outlier physical traits. Like, none of those guys are the, you know, like if you, if Giannis is, you know, a 10 out of 10 on the scale of physical traits and uh, 41-year-old Dirk is a 1 out of 10, then they're not, like, none of those guys are all, you know, five to six like Luca has better physical traits with his size and strength than I think people give him credit for but like if you look at Jalen Brunson's not a great athlete and he's tiny for an NBA player like Dorian's pretty long but he's not as far as NBA wings go he's not you know an all-world athlete like he's not one like Tyler Bay was ultra athletic um he's not one of those guys like he's not a, a massive vertical guy and so that's one of the things that makes it weird is that Dallas has all of the success they've had has been people who aren't ultra athletes who aren't the physical measurable guys that like Haralabob would fall in love with but then they still trended towards the guys with with the measurables and that just seems strange which i'm hoping that hardy represents a return to trying to go to skills guys and guys that actually know how to play basketball so that is my hope for him and that is why I continue to have uh, hope for him. But honestly, that's pretty much most of the game. Like, there's just there's just not a whole lot to talk about in, in a summer league game, other than in this case, the commentating, which was quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know. If you're listening to this podcast in the middle of summer with, like, your other options, either, 
you know, to take take time off from basketball, which I wouldn't blame anybody from. You, you're kind of a hardcore fan if you're listening to a summer league recap podcast. And I don't remember the woman's name, but her and Greg Anthony were beyond strange in this game. I don't feel like awful is fair because the game wasn't super interesting. So it's like, what are they going to talk about? And for anyone that listened to the game, it quickly became a Mark Cuban cheerleading fest. And, you know, I would say our site is kind of mildly antagonistic towards towards Cuban. I, I think I probably have been the hardest, but most of us don't really want to talk about Cuban. And it became a very odd... Just, I mean, it went on for two or three minutes in the first half where Greg Anthony was really defending almost every single Dallas move. And he said some things which just aren't, like, they don't hold water. And that's neither here nor there. You're filling air on a summer league game. The only people who are listening are, are crazy people like you and I anyways. But then they picked it up again later where they were talking about how, you know, they're talking about a lot of the things that, that frankly, while, you know, Cuban's um, prescription drug plan is objectively fascinating and really important. Ultimately, has nothing to do with a summer league game. And so I'm, I'm just, I, I thought that was very odd. And I, I would prefer if it doesn't actually carry, because I don't really want to talk about Mr. Cuban that much. Because... You know, he spent a lot of time online lately. Like, they kept cutting to him, and he was clearly on his phone. And I have a huge TV. He was clearly on Twitter. <laughs> like, it was just like, I don't know. It, it was it was funny, and I really got a good laugh out of it. What did you think? Uh, I thought it was a little odd to talk about the Twitter stuff. Like, honestly, like, I, I make some jokes about about some things with his finances and everything like that. Like, the, the fact of the matter is that, honestly, Mark Cuban's personal finances probably don't have all that much to do with the Mavericks payroll. Um, unless you're going to be, like, a, a Joe Lacob that, yeah. or a Steve Ballmer that pays, like, tons and tons of, of right. uh, luxury tax. clearly moving money around yeah. to sort of yeah. stay ahead of gigantic tax payments. Like, yeah, but, yeah, but other than those guys, the teams are going to pay for themselves. They may not be, like, I'm not... I'm not going to pretend like I have inside right. info into the finances, but mm-hmm. I can I can assure you that the team can if it needs to take out a loan if it needs to do whatever the the team can afford to pay, and so there's it's it's really not a, I, don't, I don't like I joke about you know oh yeah. Cuban must be broke whatever but that's that's not really a thing like I don't I don't think it affects the payroll the only and I can understand the the thing that I find odd about what they were talking about with the Brunson stuff and everything and like the people that have defended letting Brunson go. I can understand the argument that letting Brunson go may have been an over, like that Brunson may have been an overpay and whatever. Like I I can completely understand that argument. The only thing that I cannot understand is that then arguing that the Mavericks are somehow better off for not making that overpay. They did not get anything else. Like if they had done some kind of a weird, like there's a lot of talk right now with the DeAndre Ayton and Miles Turner trade, which would be incredibly odd to me. But if they did, if they did, the Mavs version of that, which I'm going to be completely hypothetical. This was never rumored. This was, as far as I know, never discussed. It, it wouldn't have been a good idea, I don't think. But if they had done something similar to that, if they had done Jalen Brunson for Malcolm Brogdon, and then you, someone, the people that are, you know, the Mavs state media that was trying to be super, like, positive, if you're trying to be in the Mavs propaganda machine, 
and you're like, hey, look, here's the deal. If Brogdon's healthy, Brogdon's 6'5", he's bigger, he's a better defender, he's a more willing off-ball shooter, like he does all this. Like, yeah, Brunson does some things. Brunson's probably independently a better player, but Brogdon's a better fit, and, you know, we can look at this and we can be the most ideal version of a Luka Doncic team. Cool. Like, I could... I would think that it's pro- I would think that you're leaning pretty hard to try to to try to be positive for the Mavs, but I can see that argument. Like there's an right. argument to be made there. I think it's wrong, but there's an argument to be made. The argument that you know Brunson being gone, that the Mavs are somehow better off for it this year when they didn't get anything in return is just yep. fallacious. Yep. Like, it's just wrong. It's got to be. They could be better later because it changes their ceiling based outcome that does yeah. not mean they're going to be, be like they're better now like i it i i know exactly what you mean that's been a, that's been a peculiar element but anyway it was just kind of an odd thing to have happen in the broadcast then again it's the last nba tv broadcast of the night greg anthony i've never particularly listened to him for his insights in in-game stuff i actually kind of like him in pre and post game but that's you know, it's fine. It was weird. The only people who are watching this are either people who are such Mavs supporters that, you know, they, all it does is confirm their bias, or people who do not care for Mark so strongly that they get online and tweet about it. Now, I didn't really, like, I just kind of thought it was funny. Like, I, I really wasn't, you know, mad because it's just, you know, when he's out there saying, like, like when, when Greg Anthony and the lady were out there saying that, you know, Mark Cuban hired these guys to let them work. Like, there's precisely no evidence of that. Like, I, I hear what people are saying. I saw some tweets to the effect of like, oh, well, that's just what's happening. And I'm sorry, guys, we don't we don't know that. Like, we don't know that. That is an objective truth there. We, we can believe it, but that's different. And that's okay. Anyway. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think that's a, like, I don't, if you want to believe that, Nico and Kid are working their magic and doing their stuff, and also Finley is in there. And uh, I love Michael Finley. I will yeah. always be a big Michael Finley fan, so I'm going to be make sure that we throw some credit to him in there. If you want to believe that they're completely in charge and they have no input from Cuban and whatnot, other than you know, hey, we can afford to sign X check, then right. that's cool. I, I I can't prove you wrong, but if I want to say that, given Mark Cuban's history with the Mavericks and everything else, that I find it incredibly unlikely that he's not at least somewhat involved in the decisions and having them run by him, which is, I mean there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. I mean, that when he was on the podcast with you, he mentioned like, Hey, if you were in charge, you would do the same thing. If I was in charge, I would do the same thing. I would argue that if you were the owner of the team and a billionaire and everything, you should probably be better than me or you, but that is, that is neither here nor there. Uh, That is not my place to do. I'm obviously just a guy, just a random dude, but you know, it it is what it is, but that's, that's honestly probably enough about that. And, it is what it is. It's just the one, the final thought I would have on that for him about the Twitter is whether you think he listens to it, whether you think whatnot, the whole liking of all the negative tweets and everything, even if it's just, you know, trying to be the Bugs Bunny, the the worst thing he did was when he kissed him, like all that. For him to like them, it means he's seeing them or it means yep. he, somebody on it that's running his Twitter. Like that is, oh, it's that him. is it's that's him. In, yeah, that's in his spectrum. Yeah. Like that information is at least going in his head. Even if you, even if you don't like devote a ton of cognitive energy to it or anything, if you're seeing it, if you're going to the trouble of, of touching the like button of doing all that and Twitter and everything, it's at least getting to you a little bit. 
Like you, if if you just leave it alone, then you can argue like, oh, it doesn't bother me. It's whatever. But if you're going to the point of like liking every random person on Twitter that he pretty much had to like search his own name and then go through because not all of those were like the tagged at, at M Cuban or whatever. Yeah, that's that's Don't strange for an owner. Yeah. But anyway, well, it's, that's, it's that's strange for an owner. Right. And you know, I will say some of the things that were being sent to him. It's just worth repeating. Like don't be don't be that guy don't be the guy that makes a death threat i understand being frustrated but you can't take a lot of this stuff back you just can't no yeah, i got don't, don't I got ever tagged. threaten bodily don't ever threaten bodily harm or, or right. anyone I, I got i got tagged in some people digging through my tweets about two weeks ago and it was just like you know i, I said a, a couple of dumb shit things like don't don't do the dumb shit things it's just that stuff is forever even if you think it's not um, all right, last thing was Luka Doncic uh, went, uh, he's been in Europe and in Paris in particular at this, uh, I don't, don't want to mispronounce it, but it, I think it's Quay 54. It's a, it's a thing in Paris that's essentially like this enormous street ball tournament and event. And Zion's been there with Luka. They've been promoting Brand Jordan. It's been, it's actually been pretty cool. We've not covered it to the extent that I would have liked just because all of us are tired but there's been some fun stuff, and one of the things that, that happened either today, I'm guessing it happened yesterday, and then it was published today with an international um, publication called Marca, uh, M-A-R-C-A. Uh, the, the Twitter account has 6.3 million followers, though I had no idea what it is, but that's neither here nor there. The translation of a couple of Luca's answers to questions are, are have fired people up, where um, in the first question... Uh, talking about, you know, losing Brunson and adding JaVale, Lucas says something to the effect, and granted, I'm saying something to the effect of, because I have spent the remainder of my afternoon having a variety of people who feel very strongly about Spanish language to English conversion. Uh, it's, it's, I'm not an expert in this, so please, like, lighten up on me. But he said something to the effect of, well, the market has just started and I expect the bosses of Dallas to have more options to sign. Let's see what they do. Like that seemed to really irritate people because one free agency is done. It is done, barring anything absolutely crazy with um, Kyrie and Durant. So for for Luka to say that, either he's not telling the truth or he doesn't necessarily know what's going on, or third wild option, he knows something that's going on that he can't talk about. The second thing that he said uh, was, you know, or asked whether he could win a championship in Dallas. And his response, again, translated from Spanish is, quote, I do not plan on changing my objective to stay and win in Dallas. Although, of course, the future is not, nothing is known, but my idea and hope to accomplish win in Dallas. Like, again, like rough translations going on here, people. But the, the translation comes back to the fact that he wants to win and play in Dallas and when you add those two things together, and granted, there's like it was like a three. It was so many questions. Actually, really interesting. Some of his thoughts on like Real Madrid and stuff like that. But he was uh, uh, every, everybody on the internet, include and I actually didn't do this for once, but thought about it in my head. Where thought to sort of pile on the Mavs front office and say, you know, you, you got to the Western Conference Finals and you're actually making the team worse. Um, I don't really have a ton of strong takes on this, other than I think that being in charge of a team that has Luca is an extremely difficult job. And until someone has a frank conversation with Luca about him needing to be part of free agency recruitment p- pitches, things may not matter. 
Like, I don't care, you know, Nico Harrison can be the coolest shoe guy in the world. He's still not the superstar that somebody could be playing with. Do you have any thoughts? Uh, I would argue that this could be the first begin- the beginning of him recruiting a friend. Like you said, he's spending a ton of time with Zion. Ah. But, I mean, that's the deal. And if you saw, actually, the thing that was most interesting to me, because I don't, I don't think Luca's stuff about team building. Like, I just don't think Luca cares about – I hate to, to put myself as in, like, I know Luca. Like, just to clarify sure. to everyone, I know absolutely nothing about the inner workings of Luca's thoughts. But just I obviously pay a bunch of attention to the Mavs and consume a bunch of the interviews and stuff that, that go on. Luca is not a great interview for the reason that Luca just doesn't care about the media. Like he's a kid, he's a giant kid that has fun and loves to play basketball and everything. To me, the the funniest thing that he saw is uh, there was an interview. I think it was actually yesterday where they were talking about they're like, if you could take anything from Zion game, what would you take? And Luca said, I already have Zion's bounce, so I definitely wouldn't be that. Um, <laughs> which is actually, to me, that was the fun. That was the thing that I took the most because it's hilarious because Luca is legitimately funny, but. Like, I would argue that if you want to look at it, I mean, this could be the beginning of, you know, if they make, if he can make friends with Zion, and I know the health, and you wouldn't want to do that, but a Luca Zion pick and roll would be absolutely wow. terrible. Well, I mean, it's why I was like, I mean, I'm not, trying to, I'm not, trying no, to I know it's where this yeah. is summer and we're just talking, but it's like that there was a game against Memphis where, um, Measury, Salah Measury went nuts and they won against Memphis, and then they were in a, they ended up being in a three-way tie with Memphis and New Orleans. Memphis and New Orleans moved up in the draft to one and two, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, because Memphis yeah, got Yeah, because they took Memphis took Jaw. Yeah. So it's, it's like, that's a real thing. Like, it, it doesn't matter, but in an alternative timeline, maybe the Mavericks would have moved up. But yeah, I, I, I hear what you mean, because there's elements of all this stuff where you know, Luca does a couple of things differently, and we're going to see. What I will say, and I, I just kind of constantly think about, is um, I don't mind putting the front office on notice. There's a lot of people that don't think that's what this was. Okay, fine. Um, I don't – it's just not the worst thing because would, the, the, the front – like, pressure is good for people who can perform in it. Well – so this is one of the things I would argue about that. As I would say that they should be on notice from from the jump with Luca, because like we all love Dirk. Dirk's amazing, and Luca clearly loves Dirk. Like if you watch, uh, I mean, like they had the post about it with the their interactions before one of the games, uh, the yeah. game against Sweden, I believe, and yeah. all that. Luca clearly loves Dirk, but Dirk is not Luca's basketball idol. LeBron oh. is. Like LeBron is Luca's favorite player. Like that stuff has all been very clear the whole time and everything. And he really and, loves a lot of European players. Like Dirk is not the guy. Like he's listed, and I'm I'm yeah. saying this just for full, so you don't get so none of us get like like murked online. There's a lot of Slovenian fans and European fans who are like LeBron is not his favorite player, even though he has actually said specifically that he. But he has listed other players who he has huge respect for. Dirk is. He might. I'm sure he does have a ton of respect and loves Dirk, but Dirk is not like the guy that he watched growing up. Yeah, that, and I mean and that's that's what we're getting at. Well, you can see it in the styling of his game. Like he's not like if you look at. I know he had he's added the one legged fade, but like if you look at Luca and say, "Hey, who did he style his game after?" Dirk is the 978th player that you would come up with. Like it's not. There's so many other people, and it's LeBron. And so if you have a guy who grew up watching LeBron, and whether or not, I mean, so. Yes, obviously, he has a lot of people who play like exclusively in Europe that he's big fans of and Dragic and all of that. But a guy who grew up being a big LeBron fan, 
LeBron ain't never been shy about leaving if teams doesn't put themselves in the right situation. Right. So yeah. I, I I would not I would say that they should have been the whole time. Um, and I would say that those conversations that if he truly wants to put them on notice, that conversation will be had not necessarily <laughs> at Quay fifty four or whatever it is. No, no, but I mean, you know, I part of me for as much as I've been disappointed in the offseason, I sort of do think that they're waiting on this Durant thing to see if they can somehow be a part of the fallout. Like there's a guy, it's one of my, one of my school's alumni, Kessler Edwards, who's been in the net summer league team. And I think they like, I'm pretty sure he's still going to be a net, but like they had done something briefly with this contract to where they were like either like freeing him away from the net so that they could re rework something with him. But it's like, they're, Lots of funky things can still happen. So if the Mavs keep that final roster spot open, maybe that maybe that's 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 for the best. But yeah. right now, as you're watching this sort of stuff, it's like, oh, okay, like this is this is interesting. Well, what I would say that is interesting with that is there's not just them. There are a lot of unresolved situations in the NBA right now. Like for instance, Patrick Beverly on the Utah Jazz makes no sense. The Jazz are not going to be good. That, and I'm not trying to like specify like, oh, you know, we're going to go do this or we're going to, but I mean, like there are a variety of players because of the large deals that have been done that are in situations that they make no sense in. Those guys mm-hmm. are going to end up somewhere else. If Dallas ends up getting Patrick Beverly or something like that, like that is a move that helps. Like that is a move that does some interesting things. Um, so that's, there's definitely possibility that they do something. Um, so I don't, I don't necessarily know that they're done. It's just I I am more of the belief that right now we're better off. What whatever is going to come, I don't think we're going to know about it beforehand. Like no. I don't I don't think that we knew we didn't know about the KP trade immediately before it. Like I had never heard anything about Dinwiddie and Bertans for KP right before it happened. I'd heard you know obviously they were shopping in Toronto, but not that. So Dallas has always been pretty tight lipped in the front office, and I think that'll probably continue. Yep. Yep. I don't know. I, I wrote a piece about it and it's up on the site and it mainly talks about how it's Josh and I've talked about this for years, but even I couldn't have foreseen some of what we're looking at in this market in the sense of like what the Mavericks did from 2019 forward. A lot of things didn't work and it's very frustrating, but then there's elements of like what's happened with Utah trading away Rudy Gobert and getting a haul for a player that is frankly, he's Luca is so much better than him. It's hard to fathom, and so them going in, the Mavericks going and getting a player that could somehow pair with Luca, like that would cost that much. Like the Mavericks quite literally can't afford that. They would destroy their team, and you know they they only have three picks that they could trade right now. So it's it, that that sort of stuff is what it is. Where it's just you get a little frustrated hearing about it and reading about it, but. Right now, you know, Luka looks like he's in great shape. That's one thing that I think we can say from all this European basketball is, like, he looks great, like, as good or better than he looked at the end of the regular season where he was just on fire. So, well, do you got anything uh, before before we head out? Uh, no, that, that's really it. It's just that. And then, oh, yeah, there is one last thing. And during all of the stuff, when they talked to Kid, the one of the most positive things about Kid is that he has done a good job of developing young players, getting them to play and stuff. And he did have a little nugget about that, about giving them the answers to the test uh, before giving them the test. And sure. all of that. And so I do think going forward that we will continue to see him attempt to develop guys like Josh Green and Jaden Hardy once we get him. And that that is probably the most positive development switching from Carlisle to him. I love it. 
All right, man. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with me tonight. We'll talk soon. And uh, guys, I don't know. There's another Mavs game that's late tomorrow night. So 10 p.m. Central Standard Time for the Maverick Summer League. I'll, if I get some sleep tonight, then I'll probably do a Spotify Live. But I don't. I didn't want to do you know uh, two normal podcasts and two Spotify Lives in 24 hours because that's a lot of stuff. <laughs> so anyways, thanks for hanging out with us. Please rate, subscribe, like, go to the website. We've actually written more stuff than I would have thought. So. All right, everybody have a great rest of your week and we will talk soon.